0: CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and I am very much looking forward to today's show. I am giddy, so to say. Uh, we've spent the last several months predicting where these guys, where a bunch of players around the CFL are going to end up once free agency hit, and this week we finally got answers to those questions. We're going to break down everything that happened in the first. Uh, Four or so days of CFL free agency here. Lots has happened, and there's certainly lots to talk about when it comes to that. Michael Garrell, how are you?
1: I'm all right. Uh, The dust is somewhat settled in free agency, painfully. uh, I've never been more anxious to keep hitting refresh
0: than I was on Tuesday morning. (laughs) Lots of uh, flurry of activity around the CFL in the last couple of days, Uh, teams uh, saying goodbye to some pieces, bringing in others to fill holes, make upgrades. Before we get into all of that, Mike, in the spirit of signing contracts, I feel like I should inform all of our listeners that if uh, you or anyone you know owns a business that is interested in sponsoring the Canadian Football Countdown, they can uh, send us an email at Canadian football countdown at gmail.com. We're looking for sponsors. We'd, uh, we'd love to advertise your business and uh, make that connection. Kind of goes along with sponsorship,
1: kind of not. Uh, I just wanted to touch quickly on uh, the fact that there was some breaking news that came out this morning not related to free agency, and that was that a media outlet out east In Halifax, is reporting that Commissioner Randy Ambrosi will award a conditional franchise to a team to play out east in the Maritimes next Friday, and that the construction
0: on a privately financed stadium is beginning in September. So a 10th team could very much be on its way.
1: You know what, Ryan? I think, you know, let's be frank. I think it's not a matter of if, it's just the question of when. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's very interesting. Um, Another thing that happened uh, this week, too, it's not exactly related. At a free agency, uh, Randy Ambrose made a bunch of stops, including in Winnipeg. So I talked about the state of the CFL. And one of the interesting things for me was there was the question posed that every stop on this road tour how fans would feel about moving the season up and overwhelmingly i've heard every stop has had over 90 percent in favor of moving the season back three weeks yeah so i i think too that's a matter of
0: when not if right And another thing that came out of those road tours as well is I believe he also asked uh, CFL fans' opinions on, in terms of the playoff games, traditionally all playoff games are played on Sundays. Uh, Talk amongst the CFL about possibly moving them to Saturdays. Um, Your take on that?
1: I'm a CFL fan through and through. You know, the NFL kind of hit the backseat for me. You know when there's a CFL game on an, on a Sunday afternoon, but granted the CFL matchups on Sunday afternoon, especially the last couple years, haven't exactly been watchable. And this is no offense to the Montreal Alouettes, but the team, but they always get you know the short end of the stick with the with the Sunday games. And then you know playoffs is playoffs, right? You attract who you're gonna attract you know, for the division semifinals and the division finals and the Great Cup. And I just wonder, you know, I I know that um, this may be a potential issue this year because the division semifinals were always on a Sunday. And the last time uh, Remembrance Day was on on November 11th, which is a Sunday. They actually moved the playoff games to later in the day. Cause I remember the bombers were supposed to host I think it was the Eastern semifinal a couple years ago. And they moved it to I think that one or two o'clock start from noon. So that that's kind of interesting to me. But I'm wondering like if you if if you're gonna attract the audience that you attract, if you're better off moving, you know, to Saturday or even, um, I know there's this thing about competitive fairness and competitive balance, blah, blah, blah. But I don't really see a reason to have to stray away from the Friday uh, Friday night or Saturday, you know, middle of the day, and then you have one in prime time. Like the East would be, let's say, 3 o'clock Central time on a Saturday and then the West would be, you know, at 6 or 6.30 here Central time. You know, it, it'll allow for some playing around. But, I mean, if the whole focus and the whole point is to play in warmer climates, you know, by moving the season in three weeks, and especially in Winnipeg, you know, playing in a potential of, you know, minus two versus – you know, three weeks later being minus 19 or whatever, right? So, you know, there's a lot of things that I think the CFL needs to look at, and I, I would suggest that maybe one of them is getting away from, you know, the Sunday,
0: because they're so saturated with the NFL. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Let's get into breaking down the first couple of days of free agents here. Free agency here, Mike. We're going to do this going from West Coast to East Coast, starting with the BC Lions. What we're going to do here to make things a little bit interesting is, you know, you see people often grade free agency in terms of letter grades, right? Yep. People, you know, this team wasn't, I give them an A, I give them a B B+. It's University Reading Week next week. I don't really want to think about letter grades right now, so we're going to go away from that. We're going to play a little game here called Touchdown or Turnover, and okay. essentially, Essentially, Mike, we're going to go through each team. We're going to talk about, you know, who they added, who they let go in the off season, and you can give them either a grade of a touchdown, which is a success, a field goal, which is okay, they improved a little, but it's not as not that great. Punt, mm-hmm. they took a bit of a step back, and a turnover, they took a big step back. Okay. So let's start off with the B.C. Lions here. The Lions making a lot of moves to begin the first couple days of free agency here. Um, They lose a couple guys out of their defensive backfield, namely uh, Luches Purifoy off to the Ottawa Red Blacks and Chandler Fenner off to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They lose a couple guys along the defensive line. Alex Bazzi goes to Edmonton. Craig Rowe signing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers today. They added a bunch of pieces, but the major question here to me is what their plan was at defensive back after they lost all those guys.
1: Yeah, you know, I I can't argue with that. Now, they they signed Dominic Tremanson,
0: Gary Peters, A.J.
1: Jefferson, Opa Foster, Tachi Mwamba, and Mike Dubison.
0: I know I'm saying that wrong. As well as uh, Keelan Johnson also. Uh, So,
1: I I don't know, Ryan, if those are the supposed replacements. Like, there's a couple of household names if you want to, you know, go so far. But to me, this just seemed like moving people out and bringing people in to place the people that you moved out.
0: Yeah, and, and if you look at, um, you know, the, the positions of need we talked about last week for the BC Lions, we mentioned the offensive line they needed to improve. I think they went out and did a great job of doing that. They brought in Joel Figueroa, from Edmonton who you know it's been talked about a lot since they brought him in that Odell Willis probably had a huge factor in doing that because Odell Willis went uh, against him in practice every single day with the Eskimos and uh had a lot to say about him he's one of the best offensive linemen in the league possibly uh they also bring in Jeremy Lewis they bring in Chris Greaves I I like what they did to fill that hole on the offensive line
1: yeah and it's uh it's a very interesting situation with regards to, uh, you know, how BC went to go and kind of address their needs. Um, you know, highlighted even a guy like Corey Watson, right? Like, the, to me, it's almost, you know, more questions with BC
0: than actual clarity. Yeah, yeah. The addition of Corey Watson was one that really kind of puzzled me a little bit because. I, in terms of Canadian wide receiver talent, I mean, it's always good to have depth, but you know, you've know you got Shaq Johnson, you've got uh, Dylan Vandervert, I, I believe I pronounced that right, um, as two Canadian receivers. I thought the Lions would roll with that as their one-two punch. I believe they're only planning on starting one Canadian wide receiver. I could be wrong in that. So the addition of Corey Watson wow. was certainly a good addition. I don't know if that was a necessity for the Lions.
1: I did, and I have more questions than answers. Uh, I mean, maybe the one good thing is now they have, you know, more proven guys at quarterback. You know, they keep Jonathan Jennings, but Travis Lulee comes back. You know, they add Cody Fidardo from Toronto. To me, it's going to take a lot for BC coming into free agency to compete with you know, the top dogs in the West. So, for me, I honestly only see BC improving
0: by a game or two off of their record from, from this year so far. So, in terms of our grading system, you're giving them a field goal? I'm giving them a field goal. They improved in some areas,
1: but not in areas that I would have expected.
0: Yeah, and I think I'll agree with that verdict. I love, like, like I think... Their biggest issue on offense was just the offense was the offensive line. If you can give Jonathan Jennings more time back there, he's going to have a bounce back year. He has a lot of receivers at his disposal. I like how they upgraded the offensive line. I also like what they really like what they've done with the defensive line. That uh, they made that trade to bring in Odell Willis. They now bring in Euclid Cummings. Granted, they lose Alex Bazzy and uh, they lose Craig Rowe, but I I like the way they reinvented that. Uh, that defensive line, that front seven uh, for the defense, for the BC Lions, uh, throw Otha Foster in there. He plays a lot of linebacker, even though he's listed as a defensive back. Uh, I, I like what they've done defensively. My concern is, my only concern with the Lions is still that uh, that defensive backfield, that secondary. Uh, yep. It's a little more sound now with the guys they brought in, you know, Terminson, Peters, Jefferson, as you mentioned, they've brought in a lot of guys, so they're going to have some good camp competition, but but the likes of the players they lost, I mean, Purifoy, Fenner, uh, they lose Ronnie Yell to Toronto as well, those are three big pieces they lost in the offseason. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very uh, interesting. Uh, so we're both giving them a field goal, I think that's fair, they made some improvements, but they took a bit of a step back as well. Uh, moving over a little more out east, Mike, the Calgary Stampeders. What's your verdict on the, what they've done so far?
1: Well, the Stampeders got moved some veteran guys. I think as you know, you would concur with me on this part. You know, they moved some guys out. They replaced some guys. Uh, they brought some guys back from the past, i.e., Derek Dennis,
0: who just signed with them. About 20 minutes before we started here.
1: Calgary trying to keep their competitive window open, I guess. And, you know, they brought back Roy Finch. They brought back uh, Duran Mayo. Adam Berger is a good signing. Emmanuel Davis is a good signing. Uh, That young D-Lineman from Saskatchewan. EC.
0: Essie Marabre.
1: Or Marabre. You know, that's a very good signing for Calgary. Uh, Joe Burnett. Tommy Campbell, Jerome Masum, Yeah, that's part of what I was talking about, you know, moving on from veteran players and, in this case, veteran DB and a veteran running back. Tommy um, did a really good job, I think, in free agency of retaining what I thought to be their most important piece. Uh, now that they do not have a, uh, a running back in Jerome Masum leads me to believe that Roy Finch will be uh, the starting running back in, in Calgary, uh, and then these improvements on the DB uh, in the DB like Burder, uh, Mayo, who we you know been accustomed to see in the last couple of years, Manuel Davis from Hamilton. I'll tell you what I, I like what they did.
0: Yeah, Emmanuel Davis is the question mark to me here, because you lose a guy like Tommy Campbell, who was one of the best defensive backs in the league last year. Emmanuel Davis did not work out as well as they expected in Hamilton last year. He struggled. I think I read a stat or heard a stat. He was given up an average of 100 yards a game or something like that. Um, You know, he really got picked apart at times in that Hamilton secondary. Granted, the entire team did in those first eight weeks of the season for the Ticats, but so certainly it's a big loss losing a guy like Tommy Campbell. They lose Joe Burnett. Uh, remember the big one, they lose Josh Bell to retirement as well. Um, so I think they took a bit of a hit at defensive back, but they brought in a couple pieces that can certainly make up for that to an extent. I love that they brought back Roy Finch, and, and, and I think the the takeaway I have for the Calgary Stamp Peters is they're never going to be that team that goes out and makes the flashy moves in free agency. I don't think so. I think they did an excellent job of finding their focus uh, in terms of they got Roy Finch back, they got DeVaris Daniels back. That was another big one. Um, they signed uh, Jagarad Davis a couple weeks ago. You know, these are some of their best young players on this team that they have locked up now. Um, and, and and they're getting younger, you know. They we talked a lot about in terms of the Grey Cup losses that maybe it's something in the locker room. Maybe it's a changing of the guard that Calgary needs. I like what they've done.
1: Yeah, and uh I
0: I would move toward giving them a touchdown. I'll I'll say field goal because I think they I, I like what they've done to an extent. Uh, in terms of the guys they brought back and the direction they've gone. I don't know if they've improved, though.
1: This is so troubling, Ryan, to be honest with you. like We're grading a team on paper rather than on the field. So a lot of this is subjective. I, I do believe that they, they have improved, but whether it's enough for them to retain first place,
0: I'm not sure. Right. And especially if we get into what everyone else in the West Division has done, because some of these teams, Mike, have, have definitely made some improvements here. Um, we're looking at a very interesting West Division in twenty eighteen. Yeah, it's uh certainly didn't get any easier. Let's move over to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders next, Mike. Uh what do you make of what the riders have done so far this offseason?
1: I'll I'll tell you what, I mean, I had a lot of questions when I when I read the news that they were releasing Derek Dennis, one of their big uh one of their big free agent uh fish from last year. Uh but when I heard that they would put that money towards Travis Bond, uh so they brought in Travis Bond, uh Sam Hurl, uh Spencer Moore, Zach Evans, who I think is, you know, one of the top free agents available. Uh they extended their current offensive lineman and Dan Clark, um, if you would have told me on Tuesday that uh, they were releasing Moamba and replacing him with uh, Sam Hurl, who's supposedly now their middle linebacker based on the how the whole Moamba thing has played out, Saskatchewan so did exactly what I expected them to do.
0: Which was what?
1: Um you know, not be overly busy, um, you know, kind of try to retain their own players and keep building what they've been working on and just add in some pieces to help support. Uh, they, I think they finally found some steadiness at running back. That was kind of, you know, the big thing with uh, Keenan LaFrance and, you know, Cameron Marshall and that whole.
0: Trent Richardson. You know, but-
1: Nobody seemed to really know last year who the running back was, and and they went out and they got some you know certainty in the form of Gerald Messum.
0: Yeah, I I like what they I like the pieces they added. Um, re-signing Dan Clark was a huge one. He's a Canadian center. You don't see too many of those available in free agency. Um, Zach Evans, a Canadian defensive lineman as well. I mean, uh. They also, you have to remember, got Charleston Hughes in that three-way trade last week or the week before, I believe. So that defensive line, you've got Zach Evans, you've got Charleston Hughes, you've got Willie Jefferson. That defensive line is scary in Saskatchewan.
1: I was talking to a Ryder fan about this, uh, you know, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here with, you know, without a whole bunch of other teams to talk about. But if there is no home playoff game in Regina this year, that team horribly underachieved. This is a this is the writer team that's set up as currently constructed
0: to have the very minimal host the home playoff game. They 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 have a very talented team here. Um, the addition of a guy like Zach Evans as well, you know. Perhaps, like, like, that's a ratio breaker as well, right? That's a Canadian defensive lineman that they've brought in at that position. Uh, as well, having Jerome Messam, um, another Canadian, to be able to start at running back. We know they have a highly talented group of wide receivers in Saskatchewan. They they can now probably afford to start four Americans. Again, that's, you know, one of those situations where
1: Canadian depth and how you accumulate that, it's, it goes a long way. And another team really helped themselves in that regard. We'll talk about them uh, coming up. I believe we'll talk to you about them next. But, you know, if you can acquire top-tier Canadian talent, it helps you out with, you know, finding top-quality
0: Americans on the other side. The Riders, they lose Nick Dembski, Keenan Lafrance, AC Leonard on the defensive line, they lose AC Leonard and S. A. Mirabre. I think they replaced them very well with Zach Evans and Charleston Hughes. Um, Otha Foster going to BC as we mentioned before, and Greg running back Greg Morris going to Toronto. I, I like I like what the Riders have done. The middle linebacker position becomes a question for me now because is this not the exact same move the Bombers did a couple years ago where you know they had Hinak Mwamba, they go and replace him with Sam Hurl, and the middle linebacker has been the major question for the Bombers' defense over the last couple of years. I think they took a step back in that sense. Yeah, for sure. So what what do you grade the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on these first couple days of free agency?
1: Can we say... I don't want to say punt. I don't want to say field goal.
0: You could give it a rouge.
1: Can I just say the drive stall just outside of field goal range?
0: I don't know what that's... Sure. What, what's, you're, so you're kind of... You don't like it, but you don't like it. You don't not like it, right?
1: I, I like it, but I think they could have done a better upgrade. Like to me, To me, what this says right now is Sam Hurl is the starting middle line linebacker in Saskatchewan. Right. That That's, to me, what that says. And what we saw in Winnipeg, I guess we're about to find out if it was steam or what. Yeah,
0: that's uh, that's an excellent point there. I like the addition of Jerome Messam. I'll, I'll give the Riders a field goal because I think that I like the pieces they've brought in. Uh, Travis Bond along that offensive line is a huge one for me. Um we all expected him to go to BC. He was a major piece here in Winnipeg. The the, uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders get that. I am not looking forward to, as a Bomber fan, on Labor Day and in the Banjo Bowl, having to deal with Jerome Messam running behind Travis Bond.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's scary. I, okay, I'll say this now because we're talking about, uh, I believe we're talking about the Blue Bombers next uh yeah. I think the blue bombers and the riders will finish one two in the west, Wow,
0: see so if Calgary dropping that far, hey, I have Calgary dropping into third everything within a game, no yeah, I mean the no matter how the West Division shakes out, it's going to be a tight race
1: i I believe the riders or the bombers will finish twelve and six, the latter will finish twelve and seven uh ten and eight will be the next one. Eskimos will cross over at something like eleven and nine.
0: Uh, eleven and nine gives you twenty.
1: Oh, oh, sorry, eleven and seven. There
0: you go. I was going to say that doesn't add up, but this is a football podcast, not a math podcast, so uh, we'll let it slide, Mike. <laughs> yeah, but
1: so <no, laughs> I mean the gist of what I'm trying to explain is there. Uh, you know, eleven and seven. I think that's fair for the Eskimos, and I believe they'll be in in, in contention to, uh, to play. You know, in that home uh, in that home great
0: cup. I just think they're having an easier time doing it through the East. Mike, the uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are our next team here, and uh, I'll, I'll give you my grade right off the bat. The cannon's going off at Investors Group Field because I think the Bombers scored a touchdown in the first couple of days of free agency. <sighs> well,
1: I'll tell you what. And then they got two local kids, and, uh, Nick Dempsey and Keenan LaFrance, who I believe I... I'm not sure if I told you this or if I said it on the podcast. Uh, Keenan LaFrance will be a great backup for Andrew Harris. I was telling somebody about that about a week or so before free agency, right after he was released. You know, I believe you mentioned it on the podcast. I, I, I can't exactly remember, but I'll tell you what. This Keenan LaFrance, probably, I don't know this for a fact, but he probably could have gotten starters his money elsewhere, as could Nick Dempsey. Nick Dempsey probably turned down a lot more money than what the Bombers are paying him, which I'm told is a six-digit uh,
0: six Um plus bonuses and whatnot. Yeah, uh, the uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they bring in Nick Dempsey, Keenan LaFrance, the two hometown boys. They also join Andrew Harris and Thomas Miles, as, you know, Winnipeg-born players now playing in their hometown, which is absolutely wonderful. Uh, They bring in Chandler Fenner at defensive back, wide receiver Mitchell Baines out of Hamilton, a Canadian wide receiver, another one there. Uh, Just earlier today, defensive lineman Craig Rowe out of BC. In terms of players they lose in free agency, Julian fioli Godino off to the Ottawa Red Blacks, Sam Hurl to Saskatchewan, as we mentioned. And then they lose two pretty big pieces on the defense there, Mike. T.J. Heath back to Toronto. Remember, he came over to Winnipeg in that uh, Drew Willie trade uh, a couple of years ago. And then Jamal Westerman signing in Montreal to line up alongside his brother on the defensive line there. I, I, think, I think the Bombers did a good job of filling the holes that were left behind. I'll tell you what.
1: Jamal Westerman was offered something close to... To 150,000, as is being reported. I heard numbers possibly as high as 175, and he turned it down. When you turn down money like that and try to get better, which apparently he got better in Montreal because they have all this money to spend, and you know, ultimately playing with his brother uh, may have been too to pass up. I'll say this right now. I have no hard feelings uh, toward Jamal Westerman. It is very clear, given the money demands, if these demands and what the Bombers offered them are true, by all means, go, ever, go wherever you want. And I'm not angry because I think the Bombers spent that money bringing in France, bringing in Dembski, bringing in Durant, bringing in Bowman, it all attributes little by little to that, and I can't argue with you know trying to fit three or four perceived holes that the Blue Bombers had, and then trying to maybe re-sign one very important piece, and especially today, you know, Craig Rowe coming from BC Canada to replace Jamal Westerman okay, you know what, I'm satisfied with, with the way this is played
0: out. Yeah, and to me, the way, they've re, the, the way they've renovated that the secondary in Winnipeg is the huge thing for me here, because they made all of those moves already before free agency started. Anthony Gator, they bring in Stephen Clark, you, you know, they re-signed uh, Mo Leggett, uh, Chris Randall, that was another big one, uh, Kevin Fogg as well. Then they bring in Chandler Fenner, and Chandler Fenner with BC was one of the best defensive backs in the league. He's a guy that can line up at Sam Linebacker, just like uh, Mo Leggett sometimes does. It gives them a bit of versatility at the defensive back position. I was really impressed to see the ad of Chandler Fenner. Chandler Fenner, to me, I'm really impressed, but they dropped both
1: Fenner and Rowe. I didn't think they would end up with both.
0: I think we owe a lot to Andrew Harris. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bombers are loading up on BC Lions. That's the uh, that's Craig Rowe, the fourth Lion in the last month to join
1: the and Bombers. Ryan, it's not just that it's four BC Lions. It's that it's four predominant BC Lions. Yeah. Like, not some practice roster guy. You know, no offense to them. Where... You know, their names aren't as household names. These are substantial names that have been added. Along along with bringing guys back, basically the big four that everybody wanted back is back with the exception of TJ Heave. And they added
0: some substantial help on top of that. To me an underrated signing that I don't think gets enough recognition for the Bombers because I don't think uh, a lot of people know who this guy is. Mitchell Baines is quite the underrated signing for me because, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a guy that maybe doesn't have the stats, you know, to show for it. But you also have to realize the Bombers bring in Nick Dembski. They've got Matt Coates. That's it's been put out there that the Bombers are going to try to start two Canadian wide receivers out there on the field this year. They get some Canadian depth here in Baines. That means basically, if if Dempsky or Coats goes down, they have a backup that can go into the game without having to, you know, shift their entire lineup around for the ratio. I think it, that's huge if you're starting with if you're if you're playing two Canadian wide receivers to have a guy like Mitchell Baines as a as a depth move.
1: To me, this is touchdown with a two point convert added on. And i I just. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm tempted to phone the blue bombers and go get some season tidbits. I've got mine
0: renewed already.
1: Well, no, like this is like legit. This might be the best blue bomber team
0: we've seen on paper since the early two thousands. You you mentioned on paper, that's the key thing here for me. In terms of the guys, so I give the Bombers a touchdown because the guys they lost, I think they did an excellent job of replacing. You know, they lost Julian fioli Godino, but they, they've they done an excellent job with the Canadian receiver talent. Definite upgrade there, bringing in a guy like Nick Dembski. Sam Hurl at linebacker, I think uh, we were expecting him to not be back, you know. The lineback- middle linebacker position still the question mark for me. Do the Bombers go and you know you've got Hinauk Muamba out there, which we would love. Everyone in Winnipeg would love to see back so much to the point where the Bombers Twitter account had to go and point out that uh, they don't get to make the decisions because everyone in Winnipeg was pointing, to, trying to tell them to sign Hinauk Muamba. To to me the.
1: Regardless what the Bombers do
0: the rest of the off
1: season, I, I think it's irrelevant to the fact of what they've already done. Yeah. It, it speaks volumes to what Michael Shea is as a person. It speaks volumes that we have a general manager that is proactive before free agency instead of reactive. It speaks volumes that they built a culture Where a lot of the guys want to come back, granted you're not going to get everybody back, and not one team in the CFL got everybody back. This bomber team that was once the bottom-feeding laughing stock of the CFL is now a very, very, very serious contender to win
0: a great cup. Yeah. The loss of TJ Heath, I think they offset really well with the guys they brought in. Jamal Westerman along the defensive line, that one I thought was gonna be, you know, a loss that hurt a little bit. I think Greg Craig Rowe, uh I, I still think Jamal Westerman's, you know, a higher level of talent there, but he he's a good replacement, I think, given you know that they couldn't bring back Jamal Westerman. To me, the only question left for the bombers this offseason is the middle linebacker position. Do they go out and get a guy? There's plenty of them still available. You know, Bear Woods, Taylor Reed are still available. hinok Mwamba still available. Do they go out and get one of these big-name guys? Can they afford it to do so? If so, I mean, not one touchdown, but two touchdowns for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. If they don't go out and get one of those guys, how do you feel about Jav- Javon Santos Knox starting the year as the middle linebacker? He deserves a, a bigger
1: role. There's no doubt. He made a big plays at the end of last year. Give him a chance. I mean, you know, it, it's we talked about this promotion from within. I think the bombers are just about ready to be in that position.
0: Yeah, and, and I think, uh, like I said, if you, if you have the money still to go out and bring one of these top notch guys in, um, go and do it. But I don't think it's a case where I don't want to see the Bombers go in and releasing someone at a different position in order to make room to bring in a guy at middle linebacker, because I, I think Santos Knox could step up and do a great job, and you also have to remember they do have Ian Wilde, who did previously play that position and could slide in there if needed. Ryan, I, I can't tell you how excited I am about this Blue Bomber team. I mean, offensively, you look at the Bombers, <laughs> this is going to be a high-scoring offense, because if, if, if they get any kind of defense, and I say any kind of defense, the Bombers will win a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, now they've got... Uh, so th- the interesting for me th- on the Bombers' offense now is you've got Andrew Harris, you've got Keenan LaFrance as his backup. You can roll with the two Canadians there. At wide receiver, you're playing two Canadians there, Coates and uh, Nick Dembski. That, to me, the only... Not talent-wise, I mean, the Bombers' offense is going to be incredible. I'm interested to see what how Timothy Flanders is used now, because with two Canadian-wide receivers, that leaves three spots for the likes of Weston Dressler, Darvin Adams, the recently acquired Adarius Bowman, and Timothy Flanders. You can't tell me that any of those first three guys are going to be beat out of the lineup by Flanders I I don't know what to make of his role in the offense now. Well, I'll tell you what. Paul Apelis is very happy.
1: He's probably laughing somewhere in his office. (laughs) He's got a lot of toys of which to play with. And now he's got some time to think about how he wants to use those toys.
0: Absolutely.
1: And this is why we talked about the importance of an offensive coordinator with for lack of better terms, smarts and creativity. Because we're going to see some passages on offense, I believe, that addresses your concern about, you know, not being able to get all those talented receivers in the lineup. Right. You know, you could see one package where Timothy Flanders lines up in the slot. You know, you could see a dual-back, you know, system which could cause teams to have mayhem. If you find a way to get, you know, Timothy Flanders, Keenan LaFrance, and Andrew Harris on the field at the same time, basically a three-headed monster potentially, you know, for a running back, you know, package. And I'm not saying, you know, but, that, you know, Timothy Flanders is going to be a running back by any means. It sounds like they want to they want to use him as a slot back, but just the options. Like,
0: oh my goodness. like It's it just, it's going to be so fun to watch. Touchdown or or turnover, I think it's safe to say the Bombers get a touchdown.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's it's very interesting, Ryan, because something we need to kind of pull back our excitement about is the fact that not everybody is going to be healthy at the exact same time in the season. There is going to be injuries. The Bombers have found a way. To say, but you know, if you lose the Darvin Adams for an extended period of time, if you lose a Weston Dressler for an extended period of time, last year the real problem with that Bomber offense was they lost Weston Dressler, they lost Darvin Adams at the same time, and they were not that same offense that they were early in the season when all those guys were in the lineup. This helps supplement the fact that when guys get injured, prominent, well-known guys. We'll be there to replace them, and there won't be much of a drop-off. And I think that is one of the things that the Bombers wanted to go out on the draft. How do we have a good starting unit, but when the starting unit gets hurt, we have guys to spell them off without this drop-off?
0: And of course, I do have to go and say, you know, on paper, everything looks great for the Bombers, but yep. how is this going to look come the first couple of weeks with the uh, with that Richie Hall defense? You know, you can bring in all the pieces you want, you can load up the offense all you want. If your defensive scheme doesn't work, you're probably still not gonna win a lot of football games, um or win them when it matters most. Just to sum it up, that that's my concern still is uh that, that's a huge unknown.
1: Again, but I have more patience with the defense that'll come around, given what I've seen and these pieces that they brought in. Because for me, now what this says to me is, okay, Richie Hall, now it's on you. Now for, uh... it's on you. we brought in players to be successful. Now you have to find a way to make those players
0: play together and be successful. Right. Mike, we uh we skipped over the Edmonton Eskimos on our uh, on our trip from west to east coast here, so let's let's dial, let's travel back to Edmonton, talk about the team hosting the Grey Cup in 2018. So far, Mike, I think we've been all positive. If I think we've been all field goals or touchdowns, I might have to say punt for the Edmonton Eskimos because. I don't know if the Eskimos got better this offseason. I think they uh, I think they brought some guys in to fill some of the holes they lost, but I don't think they upgraded at all.
1: You know, I, I looked at it. I mean, some of the guys they they brought in, um, one of the guys, I mean, I guess a win for Edmonton would be, but the fact that they were able to get our back. Um, yeah. You know, Bazzi... Sure, he's a
0: great pickup from B.C., defensive line, which will help out. But I'll throw in there, you know, they do pick up Alex Bazzi, but they also lose Euclid Cummings and Odell Willis to B.C. So is that really an upgrade for them? I don't see it. as. Not any.
1: really. It, it, it's a deletion by one. Right. Uh, the other concern I have is are we back to square one with what they had at running back? Sure, they have C.J. Label. There's the unknown with John White and his injuries. There's the unknown with Trayvon Van and his injuries. You have a lot of running backs that, you know, you're probably banking on to have bounce back season, but the doubt will always be there, you know, from fairly substantial injuries. Do they are they able to perform at the same level?
0: Well, I, I don't see either of these guys in John White and Trayvon Van starting in twenty eighteen. I think that's only no. CJ Gable's role. Maybe we see, you know, a dual-back system to an extent, but I'll say this, now that Gable plays for a team that likes to run the ball, I wouldn't be surprised if the 2018 CFL rushing title goes to C.J. Gable.
1: Absolutely. Um, one of the key departures, unfortunately, for Edmonton, and I want to talk about this, offensive lineman Joel... Figueroa. Figueroa, Um... To me, I, I believe that this is something that'll hurt Edmonton.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a that's a big piece to lose. To me, Edmonton
1: has some question on the offensive line. You know, I, I know they released another offensive lineman about a week or so ago. His name seems to have escaped me now. Um, Was it Danny Grew? Yeah, yeah, Grew. You know, I, I guess the talk in Edmonton is, you know, we have some guys that, are willing to step in, you know, and take bigger role. That's the music that I keep hearing in Edmonton. Um, sure. You know, it's, I, I just hope it, that
0: losing Joe Pedoria isn't going to wind up hurting them. Yeah. And to me, the the big question is along the defensive line now, because we mentioned those two departures also uh, mm-hmm. Howard, they, they let Howard go along the defensive line they so bring bringing Alex Bazzi, but they you know three kind of the mainstays along their defensive line last season are gone. I'm interested to see who's gonna step up and and there's you know there's guys that are gonna get a chance to play now um more so and I'm interested to see what they can do. one of those guys along the defensive line, I know he's a favorite of the guys over at the Eskimo Empire podcast uh Cuiku Canadian defensive lineman should be getting a chance with the Eskimos this season uh, to start, I would believe. And I'm interested to see what he can do in his, se- I think, second year.
1: There's a lot of interesting stuff in Edmonton, but there's also a lot of question. Right. And, and, I th- I th- this, is, this is why, as of right now, I have Edmonton in the crossover. Because I, I do not believe they've done enough to convince me that they're on paper, better than Calgary, on paper, better than Winnipeg, most importantly, on paper, better than Saskatchewan. Right.
0: But- and
1: I, I understand that, you know, Edmonton fans will make the argument, but while we got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Mike Riley, sure, you know, you had one of the most up and down years with, you know, starting with seven or eight straight wins, dropping them a whole bunch in the middle, and then winning again, the like, There's a lot more to a football team on paper than your starting quarterback, just like the bombers, you know? There's a lot of stuff that goes into making Matt Nichols to that ball, and it doesn't just start and stop with Matt Nichols in that offense, you know what I mean? So I'm saying the same thing for Edmonton, right? It's one thing to have a really good quarterback, and you have one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL, but now it's like... How do you offset to make sure that Mike Riley doesn't have to do everything? And that to me, those there's, there's questions on that D line again, like more of my questions for Edmonton are defensively. And I'm wondering if Edmonton is kind of setting themselves up for a season like what the Bombers
0: had last year. Yeah. I- really, really good offense. But a heck of a lot of questions on defense, and, and I think the question marks we talk about with the Eskimos is because um, you know some of these guys that have been with the with Edmonton for quite a while now are moving on to different teams. You know, you talked about we talked about Odell Willis, we talked about Howard on the defensive line there, um, a Darius Bowman. Let go by the Eskimos. They're losing Brandon Zylstra to the NFL. I think offensively they're still fine. I mean, you look at the depth at wide receiver. They added a couple. Uh, they added a couple new pieces as well. Just today they added Jeron Kreiner, who is a guy that had some potential with the uh, with the Ottawa Red Blacks. So I, I think it's a case for the Eskimos where, yeah, I agree with you. I might have some questions along the defense. Um, You have to also remember taking into account for the Eskimos for next year, there's no possible way they're going to have as many injuries as they did in 2017. So, you know, perhaps that's what you look at as their upgrades, is actually having guys in the lineup that they expected to have in the lineup at the start of the year. Yeah,
1: It's very interesting what's going to happen in Edmonton, because... You have to remember this is the general manager in Brad Sunderland, who is finally now starting to put his
0: stamp on the football team. Final verdict. What's your final verdict on the Edmonton Eskimos? Punt. Punt. I'm saying that as well. I don't think it's quite as bad as a turnover because uh, no, no, no. I I wouldn't go there either. Especially given what they were, you know, they, how they were kind of backed into a corner with the number of guys that were free agents, big names that were free agents on that defense. Heading out east here, Mike, uh, we're going to travel over to the east and talk about the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who haven't done much in terms of free agent moves. Um, But yet, I like what they've done. They haven't gone out and made a big splash. The only guy that they've signed from another team is kicker Liram Haralahu from the Toronto Argonauts. But the guys they were able to bring back, and that's Larry Dean and Ted Laurent, the fact that they were able to get both of those guys, who are two of the top free agents in the CFL, back, and especially uh, I I don't know how many years Dean's contract is. I know Ted Lawrence is for two years. That's huge for the Thai Cats.
1: Yeah, you know, and and I think it was Scott Mitchell sent on the tweet saying, "Cat Nation, we we know you love your defense. Now we know why." And I. And and I think, to be honest with you, Hamilton is one of those teams where the best moves are often the ones you don't make.
0: And, and we talked about this in our off-season outlook for the Ticats, that this was a team that we didn't think need to go out and make a splash and do much differently. They just need to build off of what they did last year, right?
1: You know, I, I think we see Hamilton from Labor Day onward. Uh, we see that version of the team.
0: That was a team that could have made the playoff last year given more time. For sure. They also bring out back Nick Shorthill. They also uh the, the addition of Liram Haralahu, because uh you know Sergio Castillo did a great job of kicking last year for the Ty Cats, but he suffered that nasty injury you remember in Winnipeg here. I, I think it was a case of Hamilton thinking he's not ready to go for this year. They bring in a guy like Liram who uh had a very great rookie campaign with the Bombers, had that sophomore slump, and played pretty solid football for the Argos. I I like that move for them. Um, And they didn't really lose much either. They lose linebacker Mitchell Barnett to BC and uh, defensive back Dominic Ellis to the uh, Montreal Alouettes. So, I mean, Hamilton didn't lose much, and they didn't really gain much. So... Where do you grade them field roll I guess I might even go and say touchdown because I don't think I don't think being a success and loving what a team does in free agency necessarily means that a team goes out and spends a bunch of money and brings in these high priority guys I to me a success in the off season is doing what you need to do and doing so effectively. And they've brought back guys in Laurent Laurent and Dean that along that defense worth two major pieces for them last year. And they're getting Terrence Tolliver back for this season from injury. That's the big addition on the offense. That's the only addition I needed to see.
1: Yeah. And you know, I my big thing why I'm hesitant in giving the tighter chat a touchdown is I don't know where their quarterback
0: situation is. Well, they've got Jeremiah Mazzoli.
1: I, I understand that, but he's not a proven starting quarterback. I, I want to see, now granted this is something on the field, so I don't know if I can take that into free agency or not, but I just want to see when Jeremiah Mazzoli is constantly being steamed against, if the flaws in his game start to be exposed just like we saw with Je- uh John Jennings
0: in BC by uh but that is that's really my only concern by scheming against Jeremiah Mazzoli do you mean actually covering Brandon banks on the first pass play of the game yeah yeah <laughs> something like that right
1: like it's one thing it's kind of like if I could turn this to haughty for one second
0: you can do whatever uh, you would like
1: Uh, That Winnipeg Jets power play was very, 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 very good at home for the longest time. Now, all of a sudden, on this homestand, there's like three for 26 or four for 27 on the homestand. Now, because teams are getting video on how to defend that Jets power play, I wonder if the same thing's going to happen to Jeremiah Mazzoli and how he counteracts that. That is my only concern I believe that Jeremiah Manzoli can be a number one in the CFL. I just I wonder, how does he counter being the guy that other teams came up against? That is my only concern. That's the only thing,
0: quite frankly, that is stopping me from giving Hamilton the touchdown. Uh, we've, uh, we can't go without talking about Johnny Manzo when we talk about the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, he will be playing in the Texas Spring League, Mike, in May. Um, a lot of people thinking, okay, this is the end of you know him to Hamilton, but that uh, that league does wrap up before TyCats training camp starts in June. What do you make of this?
1: Well, uh, good luck to Johnny Manziel. I hear that uh, those spring league games are going to be televised on a media streaming service, uh, so the America can watch Johnny Manziel's return to football. You can't really stop a guy from doing what he wants. I don't believe the door is closed. But when the guy makes the demands that he does, I let I the ham on Tiger Cats. It's a situation of good luck, you know. You do what you want. You you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, and maybe... And Best of luck, we're not going to stand in the
0: way we're here if you change your mind yeah and, and it might be good you know to see him get some actual football action because he hasn't played in several years now, um granted you know how much stock do you take into a spring league but i, I think I sum up what you what you all said there, you know this he could still come to the Ty cats. But I think, you know, they're looking at it as uh as a situation right now where he most likely isn't.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a very interesting thing with Johnny Manziel. And it's it's a topic that honestly you to beat uh you to be beat,
0: beat till the cows come home, right? I mean, if we wanted to, we could just do an entire brand change and change the entire name of the podcast to the Johnny Manzo Countdown. And what's what's going on in the world of Johnny Manziel? But I, I'd I, rather not do
1: that. But <laughs> right, and, and I will say this best of luck to, to uh, Johnny Manziel. I did see that interview that he did on Good Morning America. I hope his intentions are what they are because I'd love to see that guy play football. And I'm all for second chances. And I wish Johnny Manziel nothing but the best in his return to football.
0: Me as well. Mike, the uh, defending Grey Cup champs, Toronto Argonauts, are next on our tour across Canada here. What do you make of the Argos' off-season moves so far? It's been a rather quiet start for them.
1: Yeah, but, you know, they brought a guy back in
0: uh,
1: in Johnny's years, obviously, and, you know, they have a lot of questions at running back, you know, what's going to happen with James Wilder. I expected a bigger splash, to be honest with you, from the given so many unknowns given the new ownership. But again, I, I think it's also a not for lack of effort in Toronto. And I think they've reached out to some free agents who, you know, aren't necessarily sold on Toronto as a market, as a fan base. I I know they won the great cup, but, you know, the the, the, the the market has a lot of proving to do, just like the
0: Winnipeg Blue Bombers have to do. For many years. Yeah, and the biggest key I think I talked about uh, when we did our Argos uh, free agency preview was the number of guys they had as free agents at defensive back. They reinvented their defensive backfield and there are so many guys back there right now that are huge assets to the team in the sense that this is going to be a very good secondary in Toronto. They bring back Johnny Sears. They bring back Jermaine Gabriel. They brought back Matt Black already the week before. They bring in T.J. Heath from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, one of the you know one of the best ball hawks in the league. They bring in Ronnie Yell as well. I mean, this secondary for the Argos is going to be incredible. Offensively, that's still because they don't make any changes along the offense here besides bringing in running back Greg Morris, uh, and then quarterback Cody Fajardo goes out to BC, but. To me, that's still the question. You know, what do they do at the running back position if James Wilder doesn't play? What are they going to do at the wide receiver position? They lost DeVere Posey to the NFL. What? Who are they going to bring in to you know replace him there? I think I still have questions for the Argos uh, offensively, but defensively, I like what I see from them.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things where. Toronto was nine and nine or whatever last year, and they won a, a great Cup by virtue of winning, you know, two very exciting football games. So it's great that you won the great Cup, but you have a lot of work to do at nine and nine. And I just don't know how they went and addressed
0: some of those needs. So what do you give? What do you give them for a for a mark here, Mike?
1: I want to be fair because they won the Drey top, but I also see a Drey top team that is a work in progress. I don't want to give them a punt. I don't want to give them a field goal.
0: Are you going with the Rouge? So I think I have to give them a Rouge. Yeah, I, I might agree with you. You know, I, I'm going to say field goal because I like what they did at the defensive back position. And that was one of the major questions for me, and I think they did definitely get better at that position. But I still have these other questions that haven't been resolved so far. So yeah, I'll agree with you actually. I'll go with I'll go with the Rouge. They've improved in one sense, but they still have some big questions for me. Moving uh moving on to the nation's capital, the Ottawa Red Blacks, Mike, what are your thoughts on what they have done so far?
1: Ottawa to me. Out of the East teams? I like what Ottawa has done the most. Really? They lost some pieces, but they also gained some pieces. Ottawa and Hamilton are in the same kind of boat where they don't need to make changes, but they have a lot of uh, continuity as well. I, I like what they've done. If, if you compare what's been done in the East before, uh, leading up, especially with you know, AC Leonard on the defensive end. They got Purifoy. They got Fioi de who's a really good, you know, Canadian receiver option. Rico Murray from Toronto. Uh Cameron Walker. You know, Andrew Lou Andrew Lou, like Rico Murray, Fiori Di Purifoy, A. C. Leonard. Like that is some
0: substantial additions. See, that's interesting because I actually I go the reverse of what you said. I think out of all teams out east, the Red Blacks might be the team I'm least impressed with.
1: I mean, they lost Zach Evans, Adam Burder, Kiwan Johnson, and Jeron Kreiner, sure, but to me, I think Ottawa Dean more than they lost. You know, I understand,
0: that Zach Evans is a huge loss. Yeah, to me, to me, replacing Zach Evans with AC Leonard, especially the amount that they they gave Leonard a very hefty contract. I think 100 145000 or something like that. Which, which I don't know if, if A.C. Leonard was worth that much. I like the addition of Luchez Purifoy in the defensive backfield because I, I, I've been a fan of that guy from watching him play in B.C. I, I like you know, the signing of Julian fioli Godino. I don't know if I like him in that lineup better than I did with Jake Hardy, who has also been you know moved on to the Montreal Alouettes. To me, I... I don't know, I just don't see that much of a change from the Red Blacks, that much of an improvement. Um, along that defensive line, I feel like losing Zach Evans, losing a great young guy like uh, Ceresna, who they traded to the uh, Edmonton Eskimos to get Odell Willis, which they flipped back for an Egglist player, to BC, I, I don't feel like the Red Blacks have really done a lot. It's very interesting
1: because... You know, Ottawa's problems, if you want to... Problems is the wrong word. Problems is too strong. But deficiencies would probably be a better word. Are on the defense, I think you would agree. I I think they've done enough to substantiate themselves in position for a home playoff game.
0: Yeah?
1: Beyond that, I don't know.
0: See, to me, the the real interesting thing to me is... um... You know, just just seeing the reactions of Ottawa Red Blacks fans to to what this team has done in free agency so far. I've seen a lot of comments from Red Blacks fans about you know Marcel Desjardins not doing enough, not going out. Because if you remember, after his first season, I believe, or in his first off season with the uh, uh, Ottawa's first off season as a franchise. They go out and sign all of those massive pieces. Everyone's, you know, claiming um, that Marcel Desjardins is is the best at CFL free agency. He's been rather quiet over the last year or two. hasn't really done much, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he improved his team with what he's done so far. I don't think he has. Again, it's how much of that
1: though is Ottawa fans being so accustomed to. Getting a lot of free agents in recent years. To now they try to now they want to try to build this from within, and we've seen a philosophy
0: change. That that could very well be the case, right? They have the cupboards now.
1: Because because if you remember Ottawa when they were first a franchise, the cupboards were bare. They had no prospects. No you know, Canadian talent, they all had to accumulate it. Their best way to build their team for instant success was through free agency. Right. Now that now that the team has been around I think for four years now or five years, I can't exactly remember. Um they have the cupboards full with, you know, a night some prospects and I, I think they they may have sent a false um a false understanding of expectations given the fact that they've loaded up on free agents the past couple of years, but now all of a sudden, you know, they don't necessarily go that route. And I think teams are just, fans alike are so used to that. Like, we're going to go out in free agents, agency and we're going to, you know, spend a lot of money to bring in top-notch guys. Well, Ryan... All nine teams are in this boat where free agency is just to address holes that you have. It's not... I I don't believe that in any sport... Now, there's been a team or two out there, I'm sure. But championship teams of sustainability aren't built on days like Tuesday. Yeah. They They are built from within. And I wonder... If Ottawa's kind of done that, we're ready to build from within.
0: Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. Uh, in terms of final grade, I'll say I'll say a punt, um, just based on the stuff I've said. You know, I don't feel a sense of improvement. I almost yep. feel a sense of step back from the uh, Red Blacks here. I still have some questions with that defense. I think their offense is going to be pretty dynamic, um, with just the guys that they've been able to bring back. Also, perhaps getting you know Kenny Shaw healthy for this year adds another piece uh, to that group of wide receivers. But uh, in terms of the moves they've made in the offseason, I think losing Zach Evans was a big one. So I'm going to say punt.
1: Yep, okay, that'd be fair. I, I,
0: I'll go rouge. You'll go rouge? You think uh, not an improvement, not a step back?
1: Not, not a step back enough for me to warrant a punt.
0: Fair enough. My final team here, the one we all expected to be the most active team in free agency, the Montreal Alouettes, to me, if we would have recorded this at the end of day on Tuesday, I would have probably said turnover for the Alouettes, in the sense that I didn't like the route they took on the first day of free agency. To me, it was a head-scratcher, but, you know, I've come around, I've had people, you know, I've heard what people have said about what the Alouettes have done so far. And I think this is a team that I, I have to give a field goal to. You know,
1: Travis Reed has put his team in position to be somewhat successful with, you know, the addition to Blusterman and a few others. Um, the DB there, that young DB who I wanted the Bombers to get Mitchell or whatever his name is.
0: Mitchell White.
1: Mitchell White. That's the guy. um, but I, I really feel like Montreal, those everybody else in free agency with expectations, and then there's that of Montreal that is just trying to kind of find their way. I, I see them, I see Montreal in the exact same situation, that the Bombers were in when Kyle Walters took over as general manager.
0: To me. I think the Owlets, uh, the reason I've turned around on them, you know, my big question was not the talent they brought in on the first day of, the, of free agency, but the position they brought it in back. They brought in four defensive backs, essentially, was the main part of their first day of free agency. Uh, Dominique Ellis, Joe Burnett, Tommy Campbell, Mitchell White. These are incredible defensive backs, and that secondary in Montreal is going to be pretty darn good. My question, though, my major question was, why was that the position of focus for the Owlets? Because if we go back to last season, we talked a lot about their struggles. Yes, they had their struggles defensively, but to me, a lot of those came from the defense being on the field for the majority of the game due to the offense's inefficiencies. So. I didn't see the need to be that have that be the primary focus for this team on day one of free agency.
1: The other thing I, I would throw out there as well, Josh Freeman in for me NFL. Tavis Reed said today, and I'm paraphrasing, he believes that uh, Josh Freeman has the ability to be a very good CFL quarterback. But the thing is, there's a lot of, concern or question marks if you want to call it that at the most important position on the field of montreal not the quarterback position i don't see them going anywhere unless they have a substantial pickup of that at the quarterback position
0: yeah well well, maybe maybe josh freeman you know he's the unknown here what are we going to see from him they bring back drew willie as the backup. between the two Drews, because we know Drew Tate was let go by the Ottawa Red Blacks, wh- who would you have gone with the backup for Montreal, re-signing Drew Willie like they did, or would you have rather seen them bring in Drew Tate?
1: I and Drew Tate is more of a proven track record because he comes from Matt Calgary system, but you know we Drew Tate can't stay healthy. Right. In, in, you know, I'll maintain this, that if Drew Tate was healthy in Calgary, I would dare say that he would be the number one in Calgary ahead of Bo by Mitchell. Calgary was forced to turn to Bo Levi Mitchell because, as you recall, I don't know who their number one quarterback was at the time, but their number two quarterback, uh, Drew Tate, was also hurt. So they were forced to turn to a third-string quarterback at Investors Group Field by the name of Bo Levi Mitchell. Right. And they, ha- they haven't looked back since. So, injuries have kind of derailed the career of Drew Tate, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and, and the quarterback position is still a question for me. You know, the, and this is this is kind of the reason I've turned around on my initial assessment of the off offseason moves. So, they bring in those four defense backs. I think, okay, maybe that's, you know, not the position they should be focusing on. They get the big fish in Jamal Westerman along that defensive line, uh, I know they had to throw a heck of a lot of money at him. And, uh, you know, maybe Kavis Reed would have been more active on day one of free agency if he wasn't on a plane to New Jersey to show up at Jamal Westerman's house. Um, as if, you know, just uh, getting his brother to text him wasn't enough. But I, I think for the Alouettes, you know, they bring in Jamal Westerman. And then I look at the offensive side of the ball. It has always been that big question for me with them ever since Anthony Calvillo retired. Still have questions at the quarterback position, but at the wide receiver position, I'm starting to see things I like, because what I was just reminded about this, I was listening to uh, the CFL's The Waggle with uh, Davis Sanchez, James Cebulski, and they had Farhan Lalji on there this week as well. I totally forgot they brought in Chris Williams. I forgot about that too. So they've got Chris Williams. They've got uh, B.J. Cunningham, an excellent, you know, piece at wide receiver. There, they've got, uh, they've got Chris Williams. They uh, they just added Jake Hardy. That's a great Canadian piece right there for them to go and replace uh, Sam Giguere, and it's an upgrade over Sam Giguere. I feel like from last season, so I like what they've done at the wide receiver position. Um, Ernest Jackson, of course, I'm, I'm forgetting about Ernest Jackson at wide receiver as well. So the outlets have some decent pieces there for Josh Freeman to work with. Um, yeah, yeah, no, they have some good pieces, but work still needs to be done. Certainly. So what's your final grade on the outlets? Now I've come around. I like the moves they made, given that, you know, this is a team that need to improve every at arguably every position. Um, we knew they were going to have a tough time attracting free agents and would have to throw a lot of money at them. So I can't really, you know, fault them for the ridiculous contracts they gave to some of these guys because they needed to, in order to get talent there. I say it's a success for the Owls, and I'll give them a field goal.
1: Um, no, but it's, it's one of those things where I, Davis really said to uh, Tavis Reed said today that they didn't really overpay for anybody, and I'm not sure I buy that. No, they definitely did, but... It, it, it's a thing where I want to award Montreal a field role,
0: but there's still a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. So is that the final verdict? Yep. So to recap here, Mike, we've, we've, I don't think we gave anyone a turnover. I don't think anyone has really done that badly in free agent. No,
1: it's because the free agent list was vast, and there was a
0: lot of teams that
1: went out to address their needs. And then
0: uh, we have a couple teams that we gave touchdowns to. We both gave it to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think you gave it to the Calgary Stampeders, maybe. I gave it to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, and then we have a lot of teams kind of in that middle region there. How would you sum up the first week of free agency as a whole? Some teams improved, particularly the teams out west. Um,
1: I still don't believe anything was done to to satisfy the gap between
0: east and west, to be very honest with you. You think the east didn't get better enough? No. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. And To me, the interesting thing is the number of guys we saw re-sign with their team. You know? Some of these big fish that we were expecting to see go somewhere, most of the top free agents stuck around with their teams. To me, that was an interesting thing to see.
1: Yeah, and I think it speaks to a lot of the teams were worried about the market that, you know, did going to develop for some players.
0: Anything else you have to add on the free agency so far, Mike? I'm
1: excited to see where these satin tier guys go. Once prices drop, particularly the battle with middle linebacker uh, for, some, for some teams, you know, some teams are looking for a middle linebacker. I think there's still a few players out there that are wanting too much, in particular player agents, so I'm, I'm wondering
0: and I'm waiting to see if the prices drop on those players. Well, Mike, uh, the Marks CFL Week is coming to Winnipeg in March, from March 21st to 25th, and the CFL has released the event schedule for that just a couple minutes ago. Um, Wednesday, March 21st, the Canadian Football Hall of Fame VIP reception will be held at Investors Group Field Pinnacle Club from 7 to 11 p.m., On Thursday, March 22nd, we're looking at the Fan Fest at the RBC Convention Center from 3 till 10 p.m. And the Regional Combine presented by Adidas at the uh, Subway Soccer South, that's the soccer complex at the University of Manitoba, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Thursday the 22nd. We've got an all-day Fan Fest from 3 till 10 p.m. at the Convention Center on March 23rd, the Friday and then saturday it's it's celebrations all day long the fan fest continues 9am to 10pm at the convention center including the national combine um a couple of the events for that being held at the convention center that day as well and it all finishes up on sunday march 25th fan fest continues 9 to 3am at the convention center and the uh, national combine, a couple other events there held at the University of Winnipeg throughout the day, and it all ends off with the passing showcase at the uh, Subway Soccer South, the University of Manitoba Soccer Complex on Sunday, March twenty fifth, two till ten p.m.
1: Yeah, you know it, it should be a fun week. I can't wait to go
0: there. Yeah, we're very much looking forward to it. I think we're we're making plans to be there if uh, that's correct, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we'll reveal more as it uh, gets closer. Absolutely. So, come on down to Winnipeg, March 21st to 25th, Mark's CFL week. Uh, 50 of the top players from around the CFL will be coming to town. You get a chance to meet some of those. Uh, meet uh, meet a bunch of different you know CFL fans from different cities. Uh, come on down to Winnipeg. Uh, come meet us. We'd love to meet you. Any final thoughts before we close this one out, Mike? I'm I'm curious to see, like I said, if the
1: market drops for some free agency, where those uh, where those guys go that probably demanded a lot of money on the opening week, probably realizing
0: uh, that the money is not there. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with you. I'm interested to see how active we are going to be over the next couple of weeks because of the flurry of activity all off season long. I imagine it will continue over the next couple of weeks as teams have now gotten the big fishes they're looking for, and it's those secondary holes they're looking to fill.
1: And, of course, I'm curious. I wish teams would make their salary caps public. I would guess, based on um, based on math and some of the money and dollars and cents that I'm seeing thrown around, It doesn't sound like a lot of the top teams in the CFL have a lot of cap waiter room. Yeah. So so I'm wondering who exactly
0: is going to be the cap casualties. Well, it's almost like all of these teams are, you know, they're going and spending, spending, spending in free agency. And it's, oh crap, I ran out of money, but I still have more holes to fill. Okay, who's this guy that's about to get a big contract? Like, okay, goodbye, you're gone. You know, we saw that Kyrie Bear let go by the Alouettes today. Uh by the way, we it's, didn't it's mention a pain,
1: it's a pain. I think it can be I think it can be defined simply as buyer's remorse.
0: By the way, we didn't mention Kyries Heber, um, released by the Alouettes today, signing with the Red Blacks. That might push things more towards a rouge for me with the Red Blacks, another addition along that defense. Noel Thorpe gets his guy. And He also happens to be a former Ottawa Renegade. Yeah, former Ottawa Renegade playing with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Quite a story. That does it for today's show. We'll be back again next week. Uh, Thank you for listening. For Michael Garrell, this is Ryan Coop. This has been the Canadian Football Countdown. We'll talk to you again next week, and in the meantime, enjoy everything going on around the CFL. Take care. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.